0: Be talking today about seeing God, noticing his beauty. But um, before we get started, I'm gonna have my lovely grandmother. She's my great grandma. Or my sorry. <laughs> I was I know I did the wrong, the wrong thing there. Okay, she's the great grandma of my children, my grandma June, and my dad's mom. Yeah. Okay, dad's mom, I got it right. Okay, I'm going to have her read these two verses. Sometimes we'll open uh, the service and we'll do it in different ways, but I love it when we have someone read scripture. Today, we just have two short verses. The second one is from Psalm 104, and I want to encourage you to take time this week to read all of Psalm 104, Um, I would have loved to have read it all, but it's a very long psalm. And I would encourage you to read it in several different versions. And then just stop whenever you get to a part that you feel like God wants you to meditate on. Okay, praise God. Oh, hallelujah. So it's the Amplified Version in Psalms 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord our God is good. How blessed fortunate, prosperous, and favored by God, is the man who takes refuge in him. Hallelujah. Amen. And then Psalms 104, verse 24. O Lord, how many and varied are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your riches and your creatures. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Grandma Gina. I I love you. Give her a hand. Yeah, she's going back to finish interceding for us. So <laughs> if Grandma Gina's praying for you, you know you're either in trouble or you're in for a good treat, like things are going to be happening in your life. A couple weeks ago, we handed out these books, a tiny little booklet called Slow Your Soul, and it's by our pastor and our friend, Jess Strickland. And it's basically just an introduction to the practice of keeping the Sabbath. That's what we've been talking about here. And I love it because look how tiny it is, guys. It's only three chapters long. And you can read it at your own pace, but it is made to go through week by week. And it just has some reflections. It has some scripture. And then at the end, there are practical things that you can do to start practicing Sabbath. So last week, the first chapter is titled, Slow Your Schedule, and the invitation there is to just literally ask God, how can I find time, how can I set aside time for Sabbath? And then the second chapter is titled, Slow Your Senses, and it's about being refreshed as part of the Sabbath, and that's what we're talking about today. Now Sabbath, as we heard last week from Pete, we read through the Ten Commandments, And he talked about why do we think all the other commandments are still really good and should be for today, but somehow keeping the Sabbath seems Old Testament or law. But he talked about how Sabbath keeping really requires trust. It requires our trust that God will take care of us and that he'll order our lives, and that he'll give us peace if we choose to stop striving, and if we take a whole day to cease, to stop, and to just worship him. What can that look like if we do that? So a question to consider as we're going through today is how can we worship God through our senses in a way that glorifies him? And how can we make that a part of our Sabbath keeping. Now, even though we're talking about our senses, our physical, our literal senses today, this is not a message about indulging our senses. I'll be talking about nature. It's not a message about worshiping nature. And if we could all just get outside every Sunday instead of being stuck in this building, we could truly worship. But it's God, would you refresh my senses? Maybe my senses are dull. Maybe they've been numbed. Maybe I've numbed them. But would you refresh my senses so that I can worship you and experience you more fully? So there's an invitation for us today to have eyes to see and ears to hear. So Lord, as we are exploring this concept today, you are here with us. And I just ask that eyes of our hearts and our minds would be opened. Let us see you. Let us see truth. And Lord, today, would you speak to us? Today, would you reveal reveal your heart for us? And today, Lord, we just give you ourselves fully. We want more of you. Amen. So in this second chapter of the book here, Jess talks about a book by author G.K. Chesterton. And it's a book or a, a book uh, uh, that's talking about travel at some point. And it's saying how the author is packing his bags, he's gonna go to all these European cities, um, but that he says that his goal was to come back to his hometown and to find his hometown. That's his current location that he's in. So his friend asked him, well, why are you packing to travel where you are already? And he responds by saying that he couldn't see his hometown from his present location. And then he defines the purpose of his travel saying it's not to visit foreign soil, but to at long last set foot in his own country as a foreign land. His point was that he couldn't see where he lived His point was that he couldn't see everyday beauty because the monotony of routine had closed his eyes. So later, Jess goes on to say, God seeks to awaken us out of our monotonous routines, which have made us unaware of and unconscious of his gifts all around us. And it's our tendency as fallen humans in a broken world to become blind to the beauty to become blind to where God is already in our everyday lives. And it's easy to succumb to the lie that there's nothing to notice about the ordinary. But I want to ask you, have you ever, maybe even recently, looked at the sky, looked at the sky in the morning when there's a sunrise, looked at the sky in the evening when the sun is setting and it looks like somebody painted the sky. And there's all these colors, or the way the clouds are, you know, um, just splattered across the sky, and you just go, wow. And it kind of takes your breath away for a second. Have you ever gone to the coast and just sat in the sand, put your toes in the sand? Sorry, Kaya, toes. Um, put your toes in the sand, and then just listened. To the sound of the waves crashing and watched as the water comes in and then it goes back out and then it comes in and it goes back out and just thought, oh, wow, I am so small and God is so big. Or have you ever just been walking around your neighborhood, maybe on a hike, and you notice Tiny little flower peeking out of a fence. I love it in our backyard. Our neighbor is a very good gardener. I have a brown thumb, she has a green one. And one of her rose bushes always comes through our fence. And it's usually like a single little branch and it just pops through the fence. And I see it and it makes me smile. But maybe you've noticed like a butterfly or you know, an insect on the ground or a flower and you're just like, wow, I never noticed that before. That's here all the time. It's not just nature, people. Have you ever paid attention to a newborn's toes? I just think newborn toes are the cutest thing. They're usually right after they come out, they're wrinkly, but they're also kind of scaly and they have like dead skin coming off of them. And the toes are super long and wiry. And it's just, there's something fascinating about a newborn's toes. Don't be weirded out if you have a new baby. And I'm like, can you take that blanket off? I just want to see their toes. I have done that to people before. (laughs) They are rooted out by it. When we see these things, though, when we have eyes to see these things, I will say, when we have eyes to see these things, there's something in us that is compelled to worship. Now, people do this all the time, but we don't always necessarily, even as believers, want to worship God from that experience. And people that don't know Jesus and people that do, we worship things all the time. And we're not giving our worship to God, but it's meant to make us worship God. It's meant to cause us to go, wow, there has to be a creator. There has to be a design. There has to be purpose. And not just purpose as in functionality, beauty. So when we worship him by looking at these things and not just saying, wow, that's really amazing, but wow, God, look what you made, we're acknowledging the majesty of God, the power of God, the vastness of God, the goodness of God, the creativity of God, and his amazing attention to detail. So that these things like the sun rising and the sun setting and the ocean tide going out and coming back in and nature and, and birds and things all around us and humans right in front of us. These things are, are constant. And so because they're constant, sometimes we can get familiar with them. And there's a saying, familiarity breeds contempt, but sometimes familiarity just makes us blind. It makes us blind to the things that are there. And so we have to remember to see the handiwork of God. So I want to remind you that we know this, but worship is not just singing songs in church on a Sunday morning. Worship is an overflow of our hearts of gratitude. And sometimes worship is a sacrifice and it's not necessarily an overflow, but it's choosing to thank God Even when we don't see it, like the song said, even when we don't feel it, even when we can't see the miracle that God is working out on our behalf, we choose to worship to show gratitude to God. Now, Sabbath-keeping will require us to refresh our senses. It's a time to refresh our senses, but in order to really keep the Sabbath the way God intended, we will need to practice refreshing our senses. Our senses of sight, se- uh, sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. Our physical senses are a gift from God to be able to experience the world around us. And if you've ever, maybe you are hard of hearing right now, I feel like sometimes I am, but if you're hard of hearing or your eyesight starts to go, um, if you ever have neuropathy, my grandma, when she was going through chemo, got neuropathy, and it was hard to be able to, her fingers would go numb, and it would be hard to feel things. So when you um, lose one of your senses, or if your senses are dulled or taken away, Um, then you realize, wow, what a gift it is when you don't have it anymore. Sometimes when my kids were little, um, I would try to get them to pay attention to their senses, and I would say, your senses are, there are things that God has given you to be able to pick up on information around you. Now, granted, sometimes I would use this because they would tell them to go get their coat, and they would go in the room and say, I couldn't find my coat, and I would say, Okay, use your powers of observation. I want you to go into the room, and I want you to open your eyes, and I want you to look around the room. Look up, down look up, look all around. And if that doesn't work, maybe use your hands and open a closet, open a drawer, like, you know, see if like you can see it or hear it or, you know, maybe not taste it. But um, so it eventually got shortened. It wasn't powers of observation anymore. It was just like, use your poo. Go use your poo, go find it. (laughs) Go use your senses that God gave you. But I think we can all agree that for most of us in the world that we live in, currently, our five senses are in a constant state of overwhelm. Now, maybe you're better than most of us, and you're like, no, my, constant, or my senses are not in a state of constant overwhelm. I live in the country, and I'm out in nature every day working on my property. And maybe that's you. But for most of us, our phones, the amount of people we have to get back to texting, emailing, all the different things. Our senses are constantly overloaded. Too much data is coming in and it's at too high of a speed and we aren't really able to process it all. So to really be present with God and to be present with other people, we have to intentionally slow down and pay attention to the seemingly ordinary things every day. So just take a moment to reflect. Maybe just close your eyes real quick. In your everyday life, in your everyday life, think of getting up, going to school, going to work, coming home, activities that you have, friends that you hang out with, um, exercising, going on walks, where do you see beauty? Do you actively seek to notice goodness when you're at school, walking down those halls, people everywhere, you're in a classroom and everyone's talking, not paying attention to the teacher, Do you allow yourself to, your curiosity to be sparked by the people at your work? You think you know them. Maybe you don't want to know them. How well do you know them? Do you see the image of God in your boss? Do you see the image of God in your coworkers? Do you experience any kind of delight in your everyday life? Do you have to go somewhere Um, You know, travel or get out of the country to experience the goodness of God and to see the beauty of God, or can you find it in your everyday life? What are you in awe of? What what stops you? What as you're going about your life? What is what are the things that stop you and go, "Wow, God is so good" or "God is so big"? So this world that God created and the, the people that are in it, I find so fascinating. And I love to travel. I um, love to travel, whether that's to another city like uh, Battleground. It's a very interesting city. Um, it's got its own culture, right? I like to go there and I like to go to all the, the little shops run by the Apostolic Lutheran ladies. They're so amazing and they have such good stuff for such good deals. But it has its own culture a place like India, I've been to India a couple of times. I love going in and taking things in, the sights and the sounds and the smells. And um, India, if you're in anywhere near a city, it's very loud, and people use their horns for not telling you that you're doing something wrong. I mean they could be, but they use their horns just to let you know, like right behind you, right next to you, um, turning, got that's their blinker. You know, I'm it's just constant noise. But We do that sometimes, right? We want to go somewhere else to refresh our senses, because when we're here every day in the Pacific Northwest and these overcast days just get to us. Um, My friend Maria is here today from Alaska, and she probably thinks we're such wimps because (laughs) we're like, oh, the sun didn't come out today. They have like nine months of snow. Um, and I enjoy her Instagram because she will post things about the beauty that she's finding, probably not all the time, um, in those nine months of snow, and then when the sun comes out, though, it is the glory days, and you just get out for the summer, and you do all the things, but I think that Travel, like in the book, this story here, sometimes travel does help us to come back and see things with fresh eyes. But there's an invitation for us here to see the everyday, our everyday things with fresh eyes because we will lose a part of our joy, we will miss a part of the heart of God, and we will miss out on peace if we can't find beauty and be in awe and wonder of the house that we live in. Do you like your house, is it an apartment, is it a duplex? Um, The car that we drive, are you thankful for the car that you drive or are you just waiting for the next one to come along? (laughs) What about the people in your home? They might drive you crazy, right? But can you see the beauty in them, no matter how long you've been married to your spouse, no matter how much you wish your kids might grow up and get past this phase, can you see the beauty that's in that phase that they're in right now? What about the people in your, that you're in relationship with? Do you take them for granted? I've gone to a lot of funerals lately, a lot of funerals. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know how long we have on this earth. Do you take the people around you for granted that they're always gonna be there? What about the city that you live in? Vancouver, Washington. When I first moved here, people would call it Vantucky and I didn't quite get that. I'm like, this is a pretty big city from the town that I grew up in. (laughs) But people would call it that as it, you know, we're just this country little town. What about the people around the room, this church community, the people that you see every single Sunday? Maybe you go to a women's event with them or a men's event or a youth event and, Do you know them? Do you see beauty in them? Do you just see someone who's kind of irritating and just not like you and you just want to go talk to somebody else? Or do you see the image of God in each person in this room? So something that I have realized that God has used in my life to allow me to notice the everyday beauty of things is birds. Apparently, it's a sign of getting old. Um, I didn't know this, or else I would have not been interested in birds. Um, but there's all these memes out there, like basically like one day you're young and hip and cool, and the next day you're like, oh, look at that blue jay. I wonder what it's doing. Maybe I should get a bird cam. Maybe I should put out a feeder and, and get more blue jays like attracted to my art. Like, this is, like I guess, the thing that old people do. But I will say, I've had a complicated relationship with birds over my life. I've shared before that um, I was pooped on by birds a lot when I was growing up, and I just thought it was a normal thing that everybody got pooped on by birds, and then started talking to people who are much older than me, and they're like, I've never been pooped on by a bird. I'm like, well, it's happened to me a lot. I, I don't know, maybe I, I was always near birds. I did choose a bird as an object of something I was supposed to draw for an art project in seventh grade, and I won an award for it. So, like, I still have this picture of this bird. I don't know why I chose the bird. I do remember watching that movie by Alfred Hitchcock. Kids don't watch it. Um, The Birds in High School. Anyone seen that? Freaked out. So freaked out. Um birds, the, basically the birds just attack people. They're evil and they attack people. But then also, like I've mentioned before in high school, my mascot for our, our high school was the honkers, which are geese. Woo, go honkers. Yeah. So I wasn't really a fan of birds. Let's just put it that way. I wasn't a fan of birds. I thought birds were dumb. Birds are everywhere. Didn't pay attention to them. Didn't notice them. But about a decade ago, it was we were in a really just hard season of our life. We were in a hard season in the church. And I remember it was winter, probably maybe a little bit past where we are now. But you know that part where you're just like, spring's coming, you know it's coming, but the days, the overcast days are not showing it. And I was in my bed and I remember waking up and just hearing this chorus, this symphony of birds outside my window. And I got all excited because I thought, oh, It's probably sunny today they could only be singing like that if it's sunny and I open my window and it just looks the same it's just winter it's just dreary it's overcast and I kind of crawl back into bed and God just started talking to me about what do you hear what do you hear I'm like okay I hear birds what do you see I don't see the birds I mean I think I see one flying but like I I see an overcast dreary winter pacific northwest day and he's like, sometimes what you see doesn't match what you hear, duh. But what you're seeing doesn't show that there's birds everywhere, that there's life everywhere. And these birds are doing things, they are working, they are probably getting ready to start mating and having babies and preparing nests. They're, they're moving, they're working, they're, making, they're communicating with each other, they're making these beautiful sounds and songs. And it was this thing about, listen to my voice, not what you see in your circumstances. So it was really powerful for me at that time. Um, But it had to do with birds. Then a couple years later, I see this movie, and I don't even remember why I went to see this movie, but it was called The Big Year. And it's a movie about birding. So it has like Jack Black and Steve Martin and Owen Wilson. The whole thing is that a big year is when birders, people who like birds, pay attention to birds, try to notice and collect as many bird sounds and bird sightings as they can. A big year is when you try to get as many of those sightings or sounds in a year. And I really liked the movie, but I was kind of like, huh, I didn't, I didn't know birds, there were so many varieties of birds. And these are people who like book flights to go to certain parts of the country when birds are migrating. I was like, wow, there's people that do that. Then in 2020, I started following on Instagram two people, not for their birding content, uh, for other <laughs> reasons, but one of them, would uh, She followed an eagle cam and the other guy just had like a bird box in his yard and it had a little video and he would show birds that came into his yard. And then we went on vacation with friends after that and we were on a lake. And there was a nice little bench right overlooking the lake and I just was taking some time there and started noticing all the different kinds of birds wow, there's so many different kinds of birds here. So I'm using my phone, using Google to try and look them up and see what kind of birds they are. And guess what, guys? If you are interested in birds, I just want you right now, you can take out your phones because you need to know this information. There is an app and it's called the Merlin Bird ID app. (laughs) And I have this on my phone and I use it often. You can actually see a bird and put in the information, how big, the colors, all these things, where you saw it, and it will give you a list of birds and say, is this one of your birds? And you can say, yep, that's it. And then it's like, saved. And it keeps a list of all your birds. Um, It also has a sound ID feature where you can put your phone out there where there's bird sounds and it will identify the birds. So I started going since 2020, going on these walks and I would go on the Salmon Creek Trail. There's a lot of birds there. And I sometimes, I try to keep my phone away. I try to walk and look around and notice nature, but sometimes there's a lot of bird sounds and I just pull out my phone. So, oh, I see this picture's been up here the whole time. Okay. So, um, I don't know, it, can we do the sound clip, guys? You might not be able to hear things very well, but is the sound clip, are we able to do that? Okay. Okay. Maybe that sounded like gibberish to you. But guys, I'm telling you, this was an exciting moment because I've never identified five birds before on a sound ID. So whether you heard it or not, all of these things, Anna's hummingbird, tundra swan, golden crowned sparrow, spotted towhee, and a northern pintail were all in that clip recording right there. Okay, yeah, it just, it's not me. It's like, go God, right? So... I am walking, I take my phone out to ID this, this, these birds, and right after that, I put my phone away, and what flies right over my head? A bald eagle. A bald eagle, guys. Now, if you're just like, what was the point of all that? <laughs> P can say whatever he wants. He bought me binoculars after that vacation where, um, where I started getting interested in birds and he's like, you, you need your binoculars. And a lot of times I go on walks on the Salmon Creek Trail and I'll see other birders there. And I always stop to chat them up. Um, but I often forget to bring my binoculars and they always say, you should bring your binox. You know, that's that's birding lingo, binox." <laughs> and I'm like, I know, I just was trying to get a quick walk in. I forgot them at home. But here's the thing, birds are all throughout the Bible. They're all throughout the Bible. And um, I even love that in Psalm 84, It says, how lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. We know this from songs, you know. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. We usually stop there. It says after that, though, even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Okay, the point of this is to notice birds, I have to be present. I can't be distracted. I can't be distracted with my to-do list, my schedule, the the things, that conversation I have to have tomorrow and what my kids have going on and how I need to help them work through their emotions. I have to actually just be present. And so what distracts you? You don't have to like birds, you can hate birds, that's fine. God has things for you (laughs) that are meaningful to you. But in your everyday life, what distracts you? And don't just say everything, be specific. What distracts you? Jess says in the book here, um, as traveling makes us long for home, When you're away from home long enough, you do start to miss it. So does Sabbath make us long for eternity, yet we are driven from rest as the space for silence is filled. He says, we're driven from rest as the space for silence is filled with consumption, recreation, and distraction. All modes proven to hide us from what our souls truly desire. So if we are going to practice Sabbath keeping, if we're going to practice refreshing our senses, we have to take an inventory. What are the things that have our attention? What is consuming us or what are we consuming? And what has our worship? So what do you consume that dulls your senses? We know phones, is it Netflix though? Is it Hulu, Prime, YouTube, Disney, ESPN, video games? Maybe you're like, no, I'm more spiritual than that. I just listen to um, worship music on Apple Music or Spotify. And I just, I just take in things through that. But I mean, is there a point where at some point, have you ever done that where you have something on in the background because you're going to be super productive and listen to a worship song or listen to a podcast while you're doing something else and then you don't even remember what was said or you didn't hear that great worship, you know, playlist that you put on? Social media, we know this. There's research to back it up. Facebook, Snap, TikTok, Instagram, whatever. Food and drink. Some of us use food to uh, emotionally numb ourselves or drink to emotionally numb ourselves, to forget. And then there's things that we consume that poison us. Some of these things, it's like, well, as long as you have moderation, but there's things that we consume that poison us. Drugs, there's drugs, and it could be medication that was prescribed to you by somebody. It could be street drugs, porn. There's all kinds of things that we can take in that poison us from the inside out. Those things will dull our senses. They will numb our senses. Um, recreational activities, not, this, is, this is to take inventory. This is not to say that any of these things... Um, are horrible, don't ever engage in them, and don't enjoy them because I'm a, I'm a movie person. God will use movies to speak to me. Um, but do your recreational activities revive you? Do they refresh you? Do they bring you life? Do they make it to where you can go back and be present and engage in your actual everyday life, or are they more just like a temporary escape from your life? then you go back to your life and you're really irritated with the people around you that are keeping you from that book you're reading or um, you know the, the trips that you wanna go on. Things like talk radio, news, we are in an election year and I will say it is fascinating to me how on an election year suddenly people either get real spiritual or they get real crazy. And sometimes they get both. <laughs> but they're consuming news, talk radio, whatever, at this, this rate that it's kind of like, I think of like, you know, stuffing a, a duck or something, getting ready to eat it. Like, it's just like, it's, it's clogged in their throat. It's clogging their mind. Slow down. Maybe ask God, are the things that I'm engaging in, are they bringing me life? Do you invite God into those things, those things that... Um, that you use to maybe temporarily escape, but maybe to revive you and to bring you life. And that could be like hobbies and, and sports. It could be all kinds of things. What distracts you though in your everyday life? I asked that earlier. What distracts you? Sometimes there's things that distract us from remembering who we are. They distract us from remembering our identity, who God says we are. And they distract us from living each day with purpose. The purpose is what is God inviting you into that day to do? And so with all of these things, do they make you more aware of the goodness of God? Do they make you in awe of him? Or do they just give you a chuckle as you're scrolling through Instagram? And you're like, oh, look at that. That was that was fun. Let God speak to you about the things that consume you, that distract you, and even the things that you do for recreation. So it's important to to ask God and to take that inventory. What are those things? But it's also important to know what brings you delight. What grabs your attention? What causes you to stop and take notice and worship God? For me, guys, just an old lady over here, it's birds, okay? One of the many things, it's not the only thing, I'm a very, you know, (laughs) cool person sometimes, but not with the birds, it does. It makes me stop and worship God. What grabs your attention though? What makes you stop? What makes you take notice? Jess says in his, his booklet here, we have to remember how to see. We have to remember how to see things the way that God does. We have to remember to see ourselves the way God does. We have to remember to see our everyday lives the way God does. It's not just a commute. I hate my commute. The commute's horrible. I know. People are horrible drivers, and you never are. But all those other people, they don't use their blinkers, and they stop too fast, and they're on their phones, but you never are. But have you ever just taken time where you're driving and maybe, like, I've done this before. I used to take classes at Portland Bible College and I'd be going over the 205 bridge and I look over and there's Mount Hood. And I'm like, "Ah, I can't believe I get to live here. Wow. There's people that travel over this every day and they don't have eyes to see. doesn't mean I'm so great, but I have to intentionally remember to see. But there's people that drive all the time, don't look around them, Don't notice what's going on around them. We're just stuck in the monotony of our routines. Have you forgotten how to see your struggles the way that God does? He uses struggles to refine us. He uses struggles to, we sang about it in the song, like, you know, tear down these idols. And He's like, I'm trying. Actually, you're singing this on a Sunday. I'm actually trying, I've, I've put you in this circumstance and that does not mean that there's not a force of evil, that there's not an enemy that's out for your destruction. That doesn't mean that every struggle is from God, but every single struggle that you go through can be used to form you into the image of God. But can you see that that's what your struggle is. Can you see that God's uprooting insecurity? Can you, you're like, no, that's all I feel is insecure. Can you see that God's uprooting, um, you know, evil in your heart, pride in your heart? And you're like, well, I don't wanna feel these things. God's like, that's how I get rid of them. <laughs> I put you in a situation, you know, it's like when you pray for patience, God doesn't just supernaturally make you patient. He puts you in situations where you get to practice being patient. Usually you fail again and again and again. And then you remember, I'm supposed to ask God for help with this. Lord, will you form patience in me? What about with our enemies? And we sometimes will think, well, I don't have enemies. I'm not that kind of person. I like everybody, or I just don't think I have people against me. And that's fine. But an enemy is anyone really that is different than you, that you think should maybe be doing things the way you're doing them and this always comes up in an election year too, right? The enemy is always the other side. And I've been reading a lot about history and I love reading about history because we will say things are worse than they've ever been. It's never been this bad before. We are all going to hell in a handbasket, and the devil is just having his way over the earth. But when you read history, you go, wow. It's actually in some ways a lot better than it was a couple hundred years ago oh, wow, God was working back then. He's still working now, and he's going to continue working over the face of time and history and eternity because that's who he is. Can you see your enemies, though, the way that God sees them? Do you have eyes to see? Can you notice humanity? Can you notice beauty in someone that sees something entirely different than you? And that's one of the problems of social media is we don't see the person behind that comment on that post that we wanna engage with and argue them about. We don't actually see the person. Something I'm trying to do myself and with my kids is guys, when we're talking to somebody, let's look them in the eyes. We did this a lot when they were y- little, but look them in the eyes when you're talking to them. It's a lot different to say, I am so sorry that happened to you. And when you're looking someone in the eye, as opposed to, wow, yeah, so sorry about that. So sorry that happened to you. That, there's something different when you look someone in the eye and you say, you're a great friend. I just want you to know that. You're a great friend. It hits different. So today we're just gonna take a few moments. Um, Mark is gonna come up and he's just gonna um, play some instrumental music. But I wanna ask us to ask God, to open our hearts to him, yes. Ask him to help us though, to remember to see. There's an author I like, Dan Allender, and he has a book just simply called Sabbath. It's a great book. And in it, he says, gratitude opens the heart, not only to wonder, but to freedom. And this isn't like a positive vibes only kind of message. This isn't like put away the negativity and your life will be better. But there are different ways of getting free. And there are times where we have a moment of deliverance. God does something in us. He delivers us in a moment. We can get free that way. Um, We can get free from going through a process, going through the Genesis process, maybe going and meeting with a mentor or going to a a spirit-led counselor and and you're, you're going through this process of letting go of wounds or letting go of wrong thinking and we get free from a process. But sometimes we can get free little by little, little by little, every single day. I'm gonna choose to see God today. I'm gonna choose to see God in the things that I have closed my eyes to or that circumstances have made it so where it's so hard to see the goodness and the beauty of God in my routine. This is not about planning a trip so you can have eyes to see. This is not about getting a new home so you can actually have a beautiful home that you can rest in or having a great car that, that gets you where you need to go but it's just so luxurious. Um, that you can see the beauty and the luxury of your you know, smooth leather seats and everything. No, this is whatever home you are in, whatever neighborhood you are in, whatever car you drive, whatever vacations you don't go on, whatever home you have, whatever people are in that home with you, whatever people you are in relationship with, whatever people you don't wanna be in relationship with because you don't want that stuff, that mess, that drama in your life. And God's like, I want you to see the beauty in them. I want you to see my image in them. We have to be able to see the beauty in our everyday lives. So let's ask him, Holy Spirit, where have I forgotten how to see? We forget, we need to be reminded. Holy Spirit, will you remind me how to see? what you see? What am I consuming that dulls my senses? What am I consuming that is poisoning me from the inside out? And then what do you want me to notice? You're all around, you're here, you're in me, you're all around God, you're everywhere. But like, where do you want me to notice you and worship you? So God, today, would you help us to remember? Would you help us remember how to see? God, would you open our eyes to the beauty all around us? Not just beauty in things, not just beauty in, in nature, and, but beauty in people, beauty in ourselves even. Would you fix our eyes? We need corrective lenses. Would you fix our eyes to see people the way that you see them? Give us new eyes, God. Would you give us new eyes to see the things that have frustrated us and the things that we've just kind of put away and said, well, I just have to get through that in order to get to church, the drive to get to church, or or I just have to get through this season of my life to get to the next season where I'm actually walking in my destiny or the next season where my kids are easier or the next season where there's, you know, some not some tension in our marriage. Lord, would you help me to see right now in the exact situation that I'm in, the the situation that you are using to shape me and form me, to become more like you, would you give me eyes to see? What do you want me to notice? And then, Lord, we just ask that when you give us eyes to see, that it would compel us to worship you, that when we see those things, it would move us to gratitude, And Lord, that we would realize that we can get free by just thanking you all throughout the day for the things that we notice. We can get free by choosing to see the things you want us to see and in response, worshiping you.